So research is telling us that a significant amount of personal trainers don't make it past one year in the fitness industry. So Scott and I want to share some of our insights to perhaps help you uh, stay in the select or join the select um, few that really find this uh, a rewarding and successful career. So today we're going over the eight things that you need to know to become a personal trainer. Welcome to Becoming the Ultimate Fitness Coach with the Jock and the Doc Podcast, where fitness meets behavioral science. Join your hosts, Scott Schutte, a seasoned personal trainer, gym owner, and 360 wellness coach, and Dr. Janine Steister, a PhD behaviorist and expert in all things behavior change, as they share their combined expertise to empower fitness professionals like you. With practical tips, cutting-edge topics, and industry-leading guests, you'll learn everything from motivation and goal setting to habit formation and overcoming obstacles. Whether you're a seasoned fitness pro or just starting off your coaching journey, Becoming the Ultimate Fitness Coach is your essential guide to mastering the art of coaching and changing lives. So, got my handy dandy notes again. Number one, a personal training certification will not be enough to prepare you to work with people. So, let me break that down. Talk to a lot of young trainers. They've just finished their certified personal training degree. They're starting to work with people and they're like, I don't know what to do. This is very different than learning about the anatomy I gotta actually talk to people. So what do we do about that? You need to find some sort of guidance, some mentorship, some sort of training on actually working with the person. Now, we need to know the exercise science. We need to know the nutrition science. But for those two to be effective, we also need to know that behavior science. Yeah, and I can speak to this from my experience. Like I did the certified personal training, the certification, and there's a lot of interesting and good information in there. I know how to work with people, but you and I kept talking about it afterwards because I was like, okay, well, I know this and this, but how, do, how are they connecting this? And what if a client says this, this wasn't in the book? Like, and I was just like, oh, they really don't, we have this nutrition, we have some exercise science in there. And then, but there isn't really a, that interaction with people. And because, and the other part of it too is there's a lot of very technical language in some of these certifications, which is great for you to know. But if you start talking to transcendental plane thing, did I get that word mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, with your client, are they gonna understand what that is? And do you really even need to say that? So really understanding that you need to know more than just that technical information is gonna be super important. Yeah, there's so much that's, that's taught in there when we're talking about the sliding filament theory that um, I learned when I first became my personal trainer and went through some of uh, my formal education. And then when we- Is that light bulbs? Like, is that like- no. no. Okay. No. I thought that yeah. was there a filament or something in a light bulb. Okay. And then it's funny because we uh, we recently took that again because I was just kind of curious of like what they're teaching and we're going over that again. I was like, I've never, ever, 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 ever said that to a single client before. So um, just a fun fact to have. Number two, uh, you're not going to be busy at first. And so sometimes this is a struggle of like, if, you, if you're coming from a traditional workforce force and you're like, all right, I got 40 hours, they're paying me 40 hours, I'm just gonna work you know, these, these hours and it's, it's good. But like a lot of times starting off as a personal trainer, it's like you're trying to build up that clientele. You're, you're basically starting from scratch. So the first week, you might be working two or three hours. And then if you, hopefully you're working for a good place and they can kind of feed you some clients, but this, this might take a while. And so it's so important that we get into this because like the expectations are so, so important here. Because if you, if you just take the certified personal training course and you're expecting to like know it all, no, it's like gonna be a lifelong learning journey. If you start off day one, you're like, all right, I'm gonna have eight to 10 hours of clients this first day, probably not gonna happen. You know, there's some places I know they're like, 
go out and talk to the person on the floor and try to win them over as a personal client, which not too crazy about that approach. No. But it's just like, it's, it's one of those things that's going to take a little bit of time to build up. Yeah. And I think like with anything, if, if we understand that going in, we can also think about how do we network? Yep. How, what can we learn when we have some of that downtime now? Because later on when we are busy, right, we're, we're going to have less of that. So really just kind of knowing that going in, knowing that it's going to grow and that you want to put some effort into it. You want to have an open mind to that and not get discouraged, but instead think about how you can move the needle forward because it's real clear in the behavior science area that if we have a goal or a hope and we act on that towards that, that spurs us to be much more successful in most everything that we do. So instead of viewing that as a negative, view it as this is that phase, this first phase of my career and where am I going next and how can I work to get there? You're going to hear, would you say a few? No, I would say a lot of problems from the people. A lot. A lot. A lot. So. Uh, Ones that you didn't even know existed in the world. Well, a lot of times uh, when clients have personal trainers, this is their, their basically the one opportunity to be able to um, vent. A lot of times they're at work or they're with a significant other. They're just, they're just busy. And this is a time that they can kind of have that um, sharing session with you. And so it's not it's necessarily bad. Um, it's just having the expectation of so many times as younger trainers or people really into fitness are like, well, I go and I work out and I work out really hard and I have my, my, my set exercises with my set reps, with my set tempo, my set rest time and everything's planned out so I can get the most out of the workout. And some of these people are going to be like, well, we're three minutes into the rest and you're still going on about like what happened at work kind of deal. And that's just part of it. Yeah, and and it's also understanding that, to Scott's point, they're venting, but also this, you may be the one person that they have one-on-one -on -one time with that actually listens. And at different stages and different lifestyles that people have, sometimes people really don't have someone that truly listens. And so if you're receptive that way, you might hear some more things. But in turn, it also doesn't mean you have to solve all their yep. issues. And I think that that's sometimes where people get burned out because they feel like they're supposed to have all the answers. They're supposed to respond to everything with the perfect response and empathy and everything. And sometimes it's just about listening. And I'm sorry that's happening. Or, yeah, that does sound stressful. Or have you looked into this or that maybe to support that? Um, or, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, but I hear you and, and let's continue our workout and kind of it's just being there for the person. But it's not that you have to um, a know everything and B you shouldn't be asked your way through it either, because people want authenticity. Right. They want to know that that you care and you listen. And by giving just wrong or false answers or made up answers, um, it really breaks that trust. Next one, uh, ongoing education is a must. So this kind of ties back to the first one. This, the, the certified personal training isn't going to be enough. But also, uh, when we, we dove into this into a, another um, podcast that we did, is the clients are coming with more and more information. Like, I legitimately heard it from a client that this trainer is a dumbass because they knew more than that trainer did. That's not something you want as a trainer, as your client's... That's a caveat. If you're brand new, some of them might be medical professionals to know certain yeah. things. But like this, this ongoing education, it, it must be in the forefront. Learning from 
free resources like Huberman Lab Podcast, which is free. Going to training certifications so you can see all the things out there that you, you don't even know exist. Having someone uh, write your own programs so you can go through and experience it. Shadowing people, doing all these different forms of education so you can be the best resource for your clients is, is super important. Yeah, and it's about evolving. You know, it's not about doing the same thing over and over and getting masterful at that. It's about evolving as a coach and a personal trainer, learning more. And also, again, like I said before, if you are newer to it or just starting, it that client may have some more information than you do about something, but you don't have to pretend that you know. But in the same sense, it's like, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that podcast yet. Or if you would shoot me that and make the effort to listen to some of it. You don't have to listen and learn all of it because some of the stuff that they're bringing you might also just be misinformation or irrelevant. But but making that effort, following through a little bit, and also it helps you then educate them because they're going to come with a lot of information, but oftentimes it's pieces from here, pieces from here, pieces from here put together, and you're just like, that's not even a thing anymore. And so that's just a good way to have that that ongoing development of yourself and continued professional relationship with your clients. Next one. It's more than just working out, and it's also going to be very different than your workout. And so I, I say this because like a lot of people get in this field because they love working out or they've had some transformation in their life by yeah. coming to this workout. And so like, oh, I want other people to experience that. And so like, I'm gonna take them to this hardcore workout that I really enjoy, which, you know, I work with uh, people that come in with all sorts of injuries, all sorts of ages. And so I have to tailor it for them. So it's taking it from their from their perspective of where they're at and where they need to be versus taking it from, you know, I love doing double unders and Olympic lifts and stuff like that. Like stuff that I don't do with almost 100% of my clients because it's more of like a skill thing and something I enjoy versus something that's going to help them reach their goals. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we all have seen it, whether it's on social media or somewhere where somebody, um, something worked for them. So now they're trying to sell it or they're just telling everybody and they double down, like this worked for me, it will work for you. And and I know everyone has seen something where they're like, no, 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 just because it worked for that person, whatever. You have to think about the same application for you towards your clients. What works for you may be very different than what works for them. And, and also, um, and the thing I always talk about a lot is people will say one thing and oftentimes mean something else. A lot of times, especially in the fitness space, they're saying words that they think we want to hear they they this is what they're supposed to say but it's not actually what they want and so a lot of times it's peeling back those layers a little bit and figuring that out and then tailoring it accordingly you need to be mentally flexible so what does that mean <laughs> what so, does that mean scott well it's it's one of those things of like the, the days can go all over the place you know you might not have a client show up uh, you might have had someone that just signed up that didn't um you know, that decided last minute that they didn't want to continue with the training. Um, you know, you, you might hear some excuses from people. You just like, you got to be agile with that um, because your day is going to vary a lot. The the stuff that people are going to come in with is going to vary a lot because like I can have a perfectly planned program written out for this person. And then I come in and they're like, ah, I really sprained my knee last night. So we can't do anything lower body. I'm like, well, there goes that program. Um, <laughs> let's do some upper body stuff. And so you just got to be on the fly with that and be able to adjust for that person. Yeah, and 
And I think that understanding that anytime you work with human beings, there's just going to be variations. And, and it's not just in the fitness industry, but particular because we get so connected with clients, we know a lot about them versus let's say you're working a call center and you're just talking to people on the phone about a transaction. This is very different. And so there's so many between physical types to, to different emotional tendencies that people have, their patient's level, um, what they think is dramatic and or what they think that hurts for somebody else that might have a much better pain tolerance. The, the variety is unlimited. And so when if you say to me, you like people, you like to work with people and you want to impact them, then the first thing I'm thinking of is, okay, then you've got to have that mental flexibility mm -hmm. because unless you've got a very stereotyped, very narrow type of person you're working with, it is all over the place. It's also what can make it a lot of fun. It's kind of like a find your adventure each day yep. and not knowing where it's going. And that's pretty cool too, because if you're standing on your feet all day and, and you're, you're working really hard, that variety at least can make it feel different and new. And our brains kind of uh, crave just a little bit of that. Your brain craves a lot of that, but Must even it, even um, on the other end of the continuum, we all um, thrive a little bit under some variations. Must be patient. Mm. Am I patient? Mm. <laughs> under certain conditions. Yeah. So one thing I and am, you're great with your client. One thing I am patient with clients is, and I struggled with this early on in my career. I was like, okay, you're coming to me. You have a goal. Your goal is to let's say lose weight. Perfect. Let's make a few adjustments. We're going to increase our activity. We're going to work out. We're going to get more steps in. We're going to change our food around a little bit. We're going to not get drunk three nights out of the week. We're going to eat a little more protein. Cool. Do that. Very simple. Come back. No change. So. So what was the problem? Well, after learning from Dr. J and the behavior science, it was like, I've just given way too much for this person. And so this client thinks that they failed. I, as a young trainer, think that they failed, but really it was the plan that I gave them that failed them. And so going back to that patience thing, if I can just give them the smallest thing, and maybe it takes a few weeks for them to get that down, then we just build on that. So having patience with giving small nuggets Building on that, you're going to have much better success long-term with that client, and they're going to be much happier overall because you didn't try to just overhaul their, their, their life overnight. And percentage of people can do for that, um, I think it's about 3.7% in a made-up stat in my head. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, well, that was good. Good. I'm glad. One more like decimal point there, and you would have sold me. Six yeah, exactly. Nine. Part of patience, though, too, is not just, it's not about like, oh, holding it in and just being like, okay, we'll try Stop. it again. But it's really um, thinking about peeling back the onion a little bit and, and listening. What didn't they do? Did they forget that you asked them to do that? Did they run into a small stumbling block on it and then just didn't know how to problem solve around that? Uh, what was it? Because, again, to your point, which is great, that, yeah, don't Thank get you. too much. God, um, I got to stop doing that. Uh, don't give too much. But at the same time, too, even with you start to learn about them. You know, we know even in just day to day interactions with people, some people are processors. You ask them a question that they don't expect. They want to think about it and get back to you. Other people just like right away, they've got a response and they go. We're all wired differently and under different circumstances. So part of patience is really also just knowing that with each new client, there's just gonna be this give and take to understand how they need and want information 
and again, what dosage. And we always talk about the minimal effective dose because if you start small, it's hard to go wrong. And the last one, you need to be a cheerleader. And if someone would have told me that early on when I started this career, I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is the right career for me. <laughs> me being a cheerleader is not really my jam. Yeah. But in the sense of encouraging people for showing up and trying, like I'm big on that. And it took me a few years to kind of figure it out that people with their, their kids, work, life, like they're, they're trying. And so I, I am a big cheerleader on, listen, like you showed up, you, you're making some progress. We might not see it on the scale over the last two weeks of you making these minimal changes that we put in place, but you're heading in the right direction. So keep with it. We just, we're going to keep adding on. We're going to keep making adjustments. We're going to find out what works best for you. And with that, we'll get to reach your goal and we'll do it in a way that's sustainable long-term. Yeah, and I think it's one of the, the the failings of the fitness industry, at least in the marketing standpoint, is there's been so much about, um, it's almost an outcome. Like, I've, I've made it when you hit this mark. And we market that, the 30-day challenge is a two-day um, extreme something and you'll fit in this dress. Oh, oh, yeah. It's like grapefruit and water or something. Yeah. But anyway, like, this dress will fit a in a couple days. My point, though, is, is that the way that it gets marketed is like it's an outcome. Like, do this, you'll get to this. Yep. But what we know is that we actually need people to be on this journey for life because otherwise you see the roller coaster, the gaining, the losing weight, the lack of mobility, things like that. And so if we're really kind of walking that talk or however the expression goes on this is we really need to support our clients that this is a journey. So it is about effort because if you tried for three days this week and although you didn't nail it, so to speak, if you hadn't tried three days last week, that is an incredible amount of extra effort and in, in trajectory towards your goal. So it's really just celebrating those small wins, recognizing them, and thinking of it, like I always like to talk about the behavioral momentum, is small changes start to build up towards um, more of the outcomes and the journey that we want our clients to be on. So why are we diving into these eight things? Um, I'm a big fan of happiness equals reality minus expectations. And having the, the right expectations, whether you're getting ready to get in this field or you're new in this field, is gonna set you up for success. So if you kind of understand these different things that we talked about, like you're gonna be happier with the job, you're gonna understand that it might take time or you have to be patient or you have to be a cheerleader and understand like it might not be quick fix. Not everyone's gonna be a rock star before and after 12 week picture. So by doing that, you're more likely to stick in the field you know, continue learning, continue helping people. And that's ultimately what we need. Yeah. And happiness is contagious. And if you want your clients to feel positive and successful, you've got to give off some of that, that you're enjoying what you're doing and that you're in a really good place with that. So we hope this has been helpful. Um, give us a comment, share with us kind of what your journey is, what you think of some of these, any other thoughts you have. We'd love to hear it. See you next time.